Welcome to Silmarillion Sunday Part 12. Thank you so much for joining. We have gone over our little recap. Hopefully you have been watching these uh, through to the end um, and I've kept up. Thank you so much. And uh, if you are just joining or you're just seeing this, I recommend you go back and start with part one. Or if you like just being dropped in the middle of uh, a conflict, now would actually be a pretty good time to do it. Chapter 15 kind of gives us an overview of all of the elves that are in Middle-earth at the time. This is chapter 15 of the Noldor in Beleriand. You'll remember the Noldor are the elves that came over from the Undying Lands because they got banished. All right. So... Any questions before we start, actually? Chat, feel free to list any questions before we start, while I give a special thank you follow to Ruthless Demon, or I'm sorry, X Ruthless Demon X. <laughs> Appreciate it. There's a couple of Ruthless Demons in uh, Tolkien's world. I consider the Balrog to be, like, demon-ish. So, all right. Shall we begin, then? Chapter 15 of the Noldor in Beleriand. It has been told how, by the guidance of Ulmo, Turgon of Nevrast discovered the hidden vale of Tumladen. I'm going to stop there, because this really sets the scene for a couple of things. One, Ulmo, one of the lesser gods, basically Poseidon. Turgon, the um, elf, one of the elven kings, he is the one that creates something later on. We're going to get into that, though. I think I might have explained it last week, but just in case, no spoilers. And the Hidden Veil of Tumladen. I think we went over that in the map last week, but I don't want to bring out the map again just yet. Also, Lucky Duck, thank you so much for the gift sub to E.T. Reads. Much appreciated. Let's start again, right? <laughs> I love it how after the full sentence, a first sentence, I'm like, wait, hang on, I got to explain. Chapter 15 of the Noldor in Beleriand. It has been told... By how, by the guidance of Ulmo, Turgon of Nevrast discovered the hidden vale of Tumladen, and that, as was after known, lay east of the upper waters of Sirion. Sirion is the river. In the ring of mountains, tall and sheer, but no living thing came there save the eagles of Thorondor. Thorondor is the big eagle of the First Age. But there was a deep way under the mountains, delved in the darkness of the world by waters that flowed out to join the streams of Sirion, and this way Torgon found, and so came to the green plains amid the mountains, and saw the island hill that stood there of hard, smooth stone, for a vale had been great for the vale had been a great lake in ancient days. Then Torgon knew that he had found the place of his desire, and he resolved to build there a fair city, a memorial of Tyrion upon Tuna. So Tyrion is the city that the elves built in Valinor with the uh, lesser gods. Also, I say this, I feel like every time it gets mentioned, but um, Tuna, T-U-N-A, is pronounced Tuna in English, um, but there is an accent over the U, so I say Tuna. So maybe it's a little bit... Uh, easier to understand. Also, hey, Raelic, thank you so much for the follow. Also, if anyone is interested, I was on the uh, podcast for uh, Raelic. Um, I'll post it in the uh, chat in a bit, and uh, probably the Discord as well. Go check that out. Also, if you're not part of the Discord, please feel free to join. The link should be either down below on YouTube or in my TikTok bio. I'll also probably post it here soon. All right, let's carry on. 
But he resolved to return to Nevrast and remain there in peace, though he pondered ever in his thought how sh he should accomplish his design. Now, after the Dagor Aglareb, which was the third battle, the third of five battles between the elves and Morgoth. Now, after the Dagor Aglareb, the unquiet that Ulmo had said in his heart returned to him, and he summoned many of his hardiest and most skilled of his people, and led them secretly to the Hidden Vale, and there began the building of the city that Torgon had devised, and they set a watch all upon it, that none might come upon their work from without, and the power of Ulmo that ran in Sirion protected them. But Torgon dwelt still in the power, in the most part of Nevrast, until it came to pass that at last the city was full wrought, after two and fifty years of secret toil. It is said that Torgon appointed its name to be Ondolinde in the speech of the elves of Valinor, the rock of the music of water. From there, for there were fountains upon the hill, but in the Sindarin tongue the name was changed, and it became Gondolin, the hidden rock. I'll pause there for a second, because if you have seen a couple of my TikTok videos or you've seen the Hobbit movies, you've probably heard mention of Gondolin before. Gondolin is the hidden city. It literally translates in Elvish to the hidden rock. So, this is Torgon and the creation of Gondolin. You may also recognize it from the Tolkien book, The Fall of Gondolin. Spoilers but nothing in the first age lasts forever. Well, not nothing, but certainly not a lot. <laughs> it is said that Torgon appointed... Oh, nope, already read that part. Then Torgon prepared to depart from Nevrast and leave his halls in Vinyamar beside the sea. And there Ulmo came to him once again and spoke with him. And he said, Now thou shalt go at last to Gondolin, Torgon and I will maintain my power in the Vale of Sirion, and in all the waters therein, so that none shall mark thy going, nor shall any find where the hidden entrance against thy will. Longest of all the realms of the Eldele shall Gondolin stand against Melkor. But love not too well the work of thy hand and the device of thy heart, and remember that the true hope of the Noldor lieth in the west and cometh from the sea. An important thing to mention. Uh, Feanor, the important character that created the Silmarils and basically drove all of the elves out of... Uh, not drove them, but helped leave them there, uh, lead them out of the Undying Lands... As he lay dying, he realized that the elves were never going to succeed without the help of the Valar, right? He had this revelation and doesn't say anything. And so um, Ulmo is trying to basically impart the same wisdom onto Torgon, saying, listen, this is going to be a great stronghold and I'm going to try and help you. But just remember, you can't win without us. Right? It's not going to happen. And Ulmo warned Torgon that he also lay under the Doom of Mandos, which Ulmo had no power to remove. You'll remember the Doom of Mandos is basically the, the curse that Mandos, the Valar, the lesser god, said uh, that basically the elves, the Noldor, they're doomed, right? Most of them are going to die, um, and 
you're never going to defeat Morgoth. Again, just really trying to hammer it home. As I've said in the past, when Mandos speaks, bad things usually happen. Thus it may come to pass, he said, that the curse of the Noldor shall find thee too ere the end, and treason awake within thy walls. Then they shall be in peril of fire. But if this peril draweth nigh indeed, then even from Nevrast one shall come to warn thee, and from him beyond ruin and fire shall hope be born for elves and men. Leave therefore in this house arms and a sword, that in years to come he may find them, and thus shalt thou know him, and not be deceived. And Ulmo declared to Torgon of what kind and stature should be the helm and mail and sword that he left behind. So, he said, casually looking into the screen, into the camera, so that people got the point, Ulmo asked Torgon to leave behind a sword and armor so that somebody wearing that sword and armor might be directed by Ulmo to get to the hidden city. Remember that part. All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Then Ulmo returned to the sea, and Torgon sent forth all his people, even to a third part of the Noldor of Fingolfin's following, and yet, and a yet greater host of the Sindar, and then passed away, company by company, secretly, under the shadow of Ered Wethrin, and they came unseen to Gondolin, and none knew whither they had gone. And at the last, and last of all, Torgon arose, and went with his household silently through the hills, and passed the gates in the mountains, and they were shut behind him. Through many long years none passed inward thereafter, save Horin and Huor only, and the host of Torgon came never forth again until the years of lamentation, after three hundred and fifty years or, and more. But behind the circle of the mountains, the people of Torgon grew and throve, and they put forth their skill in labor unceasing, so that Gondolin, upon Amon Gwareth, became fair indeed, and fit to compare even with Elven Tyrion beyond the sea. High and white were its walls, and smooth its stairs, and tall and strong were the tower, was the tower of the king. There shining fountains played, and in the courts of Turgon stood images of the trees of old, which Turgon himself wrought with elven craft, and the tree which he made of gold was named Glingal, the tree whose flowers he made of silver was named Belthil. But fairer than all the wonders of Gondolin was Idril, Turgon's daughter, she that was called Celebrindal, the Silverfoot, whose hair was as the gold of Laurelin before the coming of Melkor. Thus Torgon lived long in bliss, but Nevrast was desolate and, remain in, and remained empty of living folk until the ruin of Beleriand. All right, I'll pause there for a second and take any questions. If anyone has them, put them in the chat now. Thank you so much. Uh, Proteo says I f he feels like they feel like I'm misspeaking their grammatical pauses. I definitely am. I definitely am. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't really pay attention to that. Sometimes <laughs> I apologize. Um, all right, so I don't really see any um, questions. So I think I will just impress upon all of you how important that part of that chapter was. 
because the there's a whole book called The Fall of Gondolin. I don't want to maybe say that Tolkien don't uh, put and 300-ish pages into what is basically one chapter in this, but it exists. So remember Torgon, remember Gondolin, it's important. Now while the city of Gondolin was building in secret, Finrod Felagund wrought in the deep places of Nargothrond. But Galadriel, his sister, dwelt, as has been told, in Thingol's realm, in Doriath. And at times, Melian and Galadriel would speak together of Valinor and the bliss of old. But beyond the dark hour of the death of the trees, Galadriel would not go, but ever fall silent. And on time, Melian said, There is some woe that lies upon you and your kin. That I can see in you. But all else is hidden from me. For by no vision or thought can I perceive anything that passes or passed in the west. A shadow lies over all the land of Amon and reaches far out over the sea. Why will you not tell me more? I'll try and do Galadriel's voice, but no promises. For that woe is past, said Galadriel, and I would not take the joy, and I would not take what joy is left here, untroubled by memory, and maybe there is woe enough yet to come, though still hope may seem bright. Then Melian looked in her eyes and said, I believe not that the Noldor came forth as messengers of the Valar, as was, f as was said at first, not though they came in the very hour of our need. For they speak never of the Valar, nor have their high lords brought any messages to Thingol, whether from Manwe or Ulmo, or even from Aule, the king's brother, and his own folk that went over the sea. For what cause, Galadriel, were the high people of the Noldor driven forth as exiles from Amon? Or what evil lies on the sons of Feanor that they are so haughty or so fell? Do I not strike near the truth? So you'll remember Melian, who is the Maya that fell in love with Thingol, and they created this sort of like this force field. It's called the Girdle of Melian, but it's basically a force field of magic that keeps evil at bay and keeps evil out. Melian is starting to get a little suspicious, and she and Galadriel are having a conversation, basically saying, Melian thinks, I am suspicious of the Noldor, of the elves that came over in our hour of need. No one mentions the Undying Lands anymore. What's, what's going on? What's happening? Then Galadriel spoke... Oh, I'm sorry. Melian says, Do I not strike near the truth? Near, said Galadriel. Save that we were not driven forth, but came of our own will, and against that of the Valar. And through great peril and in despite of the Valar, for their purpose we came, to take vengeance upon Morgoth and regain what he stole. Then Galadriel spoke to Melian of the Silmarils, and the slaying of King Finway at Formenos, but still she said no word of the oath, nor of the kinslaying, nor of the burning of the ships at Lasgar. You'll remember, right, the Noldor killed a bunch of the Teleri elves, stole their ships, sailed to, to Middle-earth from the Undying Lands, and then all of the elves that didn't make it over never made it over or had to cross the ice because um, the rest of the elves burned the ships. Well, Feanor burned the ships. I would, don't want to say all elves. Not all of the Noldor are terrible. Just some of them. 
too many. But Melian said, Now much you tell me, and yet more I perceive. A darkness you would cast over the long road from Tyrion, but I see evil there, which Thingol shall learn from his guidance. Maybe, said Galadriel, but not from me. Mm, I love that power dynamic, the back and forth, right? The queen of some of the elves in Middle-earth before all of the elves from the Noldor came over, and then this elvish princess, Galadriel. Oh, the power struggles. And Melian spoke then no more of these matters with Galadriel, but she told to King Thingol all that she had heard of the Silmarils. There is a great matter, she said, greater indeed than the Noldor themselves understand. For the light of Amon and the fate of Arda themse uh, lie locked now in these things, the work of Feanor, who is gone. They shall not be recovered, I foretell, by any power of the Eldar. I'm going to repeat that one more time. They shall not, I foretell, by <laughs> they shall not be recovered, I foretell, by any power of the Eldar. The Eldar are the elves. Just the elves. You'll see what I mean later. And the world shall be broken in battles, in the battles that are to come, ere they are wrested from Morgoth. See now, Feanor they have slain, and many another, as I guess. But first of all the deaths they have brought, and yet shall bring was Finway, your friend. Morgoth slew him ere he fled from Amon. Then Thingol was silent, being filled with grief and foreboding, but at length he said, Now at last I understand the coming of the Noldor out of the west, at which I wondered much before. Not to our aid did they come save by chance. For those that remain in Middle-earth, the Valar, will leave to their own devices until the uttermost need. Excuse me. Sorry. For vengeance and redress of their loss the Noldor came, yet all the more sure shall they be as allies against Morgoth, with whom it is not now to be thought that they shall ever make a treaty. Because remember before, right, two or three chapters ago, I think it was, Feanor and his sons were like, all right, we've beaten you back, Morgoth. Give us the Silmarils and we'll let you go. And Morgoth said, mm-mm. Well, I think, I think they were both, I think they both agreed to a peace treaty and then they both brought, like, their entire armies, if I'm remembering that correctly. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. But Melian said, Truly, for these causes they came, but for others also. Beware the sons of Feanor. The shadow of, of the wrath of the Valar lies upon them, and they have done evil, I perceive, both in Amon and to their own kin. A grief but lulled to sleep lies between the princes of the Noldor. And Thingol answered, What is that to me? Of Feanor I have heard but report, which makes him great indeed. Of his sons I hear little to my pleasure, yet they are likely to prove the deadliest, of fo the deadliest foes to our foes. Their sword and their counsel shall have two edges, said Melian, and afterwards they spoke no more of this matter. Mm. Important conversations we just saw there. Very important conversations, right? 
Oh, why did the elves come over? Oh, you know, um, we just wanted freedom from the Valar. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, honey, I think these elves are kind of suspicious. Yeah, I, I kind of figured, but we need them. They're powerful. Yeah, but uh, are they good people, though? Are they? That's a summary of what just happened, in case anyone wants the five-second version of it. All right, let's continue, because this is a good chapter. I like this one. It was not long before whispered tales began to pass among the Sindar concerning the deeds of the Noldor ere they came to Beleriand. By the way, I think I've said this before, but when I say er, E-R-E, it means before. So just kind of translate that in your head. So there's rumors about what happened uh, before the Noldor came to Beleriand. Certain it is whence they came, and the evil truth was enhanced and poisoned by lies. But the Sindar were yet unwary, and trustful of words, and, as many well be thought, Morgoth cho chose them for this first assault of his malice, for they knew him not. And Círdan, hearing these dark tales, was troubled, for he was wise, and perceived swiftly that, true or false, they were put about at this time through malice. Though malice, he deemed, was that of the princes of the Noldor, because of the jealousy of their houses. Therefore he sent messengers to Thingol to tell, him all that he, to tell all that he had heard. It was chanced that at the t that time the sons of Finarfin were again the guests of Thingol, for they wished to see their sister Galadriel. Then Thingol, being greatly moved, spoke in anger to Finrod, saying, I'll have you done to me, kinsman, to conceal so great a matter from me. For now I have learned of all the evil deeds of the Noldor. But Finrod answered, What ill have I done, Lord? For what evil deed have the Noldor done in all your realms to grieve you? Neither against your kinship nor against any of your people have they thought evil or done evil. I marvel at you, son of Iarwen, said Thingol that you would come to the board of your kinsmen thus red-handed from the slaying of your mother's kin, and yet say not in defense, nor yet seek any pardon. So again, the elves are starting to figure out about the kin slaying. Then Finrod was greatly troubled, but he was silent, for he could not defend himself, save by bringing charges against the other princes of the Noldor, and that he was loath to do before Thingol. But in Angrod's heart, the memory of the wound of Caranthir welled up again in bitterness, and he cried, Lord, I know not what lies you have heard, nor whence, but we came not red-handed. Guiltless we came forth, save maybe the to, of folly, to listen to the words of fell Feanor, and become as if besotted with wine, as of briefly. No evil did we do on the road, but suffered ourselves great wrong, and forgave it. For this we are named tale-bearers to you and treasonous to the Noldor, untruly as you know, for we have we have of for we have of our loyalty been silent before you, and thus earned your anger. But now these charges are no longer to be borne, and the truth you shall know. Uh oh. Then Angrod spoke bitterly against the sons of Feanor, telling them of the blood at Alqualonde and the doom of Mandos, that's the curse basically banishing them, 
and the burning of the ships at Lascar, and he cried, Wherefore shall we that endured the grinding ice bear the name of kinslayers and traitors? So Angrod is basically saying, hang on, hang on, hang on. We didn't burn the ships. We didn't kill the Teleri. We were the ones that were following Feanor because we were, you know, a little bit, metaphorically speaking, drunk on power at the time. We crossed the ice, right? We were just trying to get there. It's not our fault, trying to sort of push the blame onto Feanor and the Sons. It's a little bit gaslighty. Yet the shadow of Mandos lies also on you. Um, excuse me. Yet the shadow of Mandos lies on you also, said Melian. But Thingol was, but Thingol was long silent ere he spoke. Go now, he said, for my heart is hot within me. Later you may return if you will. For I will not shut my doors forever against you, my kindred, that were ensnared in an evil that you did not aid. With Fingolfin and his people also I will keep friendship, for they have bitterly atoned for such ill as they did. And in our hatred of the power that wrought all this woe, our grief shall be lost. But hear my words. Never again in my ears shall be heard the tongue of those who slew my kin in Alqualonde, nor in any nor in any of my nor in an all my realm shall it be spoken openly with my power while my power endures. All the Sindar shall hear my command that they shall neither speak with the tongue of the Noldor nor answer to it, and all such as use it. Oh, excuse me, and all such as use it shall be held slayer of kin and betrayer of kin, unrepentant. If you've seen my Twitch streams before, you have most likely seen the um, stream where I spoke with Wizard Way Chris, and they kind of explained that there are two forms of Elvish, Quenya and Sindarin, or Sindarin, depending on how you pronounce it. So, Thingol, the guy who lives in Doriath, who is basically the king of Middle-earth before all the Noldor came over, banned, just banned the use of Quenya because he found out about the kin slaying. Again, things... Things are complicated here, but Thingol makes it very clear, right? This is wrong. You can't use this language anymore. And if you do, we're going to have huge problems. Let's keep going. Then the sons of Finarfin departed from Menegroth with heavy hearts, perceiving how the words of Mandos would ever be made true, and that none of the Noldor that followed after Feanor could pass even as Thingol had spoke, oh, excuse me, could escape from the shadow that lay upon his house. And it came to pass even as Thingol had spoken, for the Sindar heard his word, and thereafter throughout Beleriand they refused the tongue, excuse me, they refused the tongue of the Noldor and shunned those that spoke it aloud. But the exiles took the Sindarin tongue in all their daily use, and the high speech of the West was spoken only by the lords of the Noldor among themselves. Yet that speech lived ever as the language of lore, wherever any of that people dwelt. So, it's think of, think of Quenya a little bit like Latin or like a ceremonial language of the high elves, right? Like, they're a little bit more lofty, and, and um, um, a little bit more lofty, a little bit more, um, 
high strung, frou frou, pampered. Oh, I'm I'm doing this like tossing my hair back, like oh. All right, here we go. It came to pass that Nargothrond was full wrought, and yet. Oh, hang on, did I skip a page? Nope. Here we go. It came to pass that Nargothrond was full wrought, and yet Torgon still dwelt in the halls of Vinyamar, and the sons of Finarfin were gathered there to a feast, and Galadriel came from Doriath and dwelt a while in Nargothrond. Now King Finrod Felagond had no wife, and Galadriel asked him why this should be. But foresight came upon Felagond as she spoke, and he said, An oath too, I too, shall swear and must be free to fulfill it, and go into darkness, nor shall anything of my realm endure that a son should inherit. But it is said that not until that hour had such cold thoughts ruled him, for indeed she whom he had loved was Amarie of the Vanyar, and she went not with him into exile. I'm going to pause there for a second because that is the end of chapter 16. And if I'm being totally honest, I may want to save chapter 16 uh, till next week because of the chapter on Maeglin. Yeah, this is about 10 pages. Maeglin. Chapter 16 is of Maeglin, and Maeglin is an incredibly important character that I do want to focus on. Uh, maybe for all of the wrong reasons, for those of you that have you know read ahead, but you'll see what I mean. Uh, in the meantime, I will take questions and do yet another TikTok shout-out. Um, but before I do that, I want to thank everybody on YouTube. Um, I know this episode was a little bit shorter, um, but I'm kind of liking doing this one chapter at a time. Um, there were a lot of questions in the first few episodes, um, so because it was all very confusing, but we've we've kind of gone right into um the uh the sort of you know more plot driven portions of it which is great right it makes for easier reading uh okay so a couple of questions charlations are all the streams backed up on youtube yes i believe everything up until part 10 is currently available if you're watching this and the video has been posted for more than a week likely most of the uh ones are available i usually tend to wait a few days just so people can come and see the twitch and see the chat and uh we save the youtube for a couple of days later if you have not checked out the channel i actually you know what why don't i do that now i'll post it in the chat on twitch while i do that i will wrap up here on youtube y'all on youtube thank you so much for joining i appreciate it be sure to leave a comment down below if you like this and uh, leave a like in uh the little thing down here there should be a button right here ish if you're on the desktop or here if you're on mobile i don't know i'm trying i don't know how the whole youtube thing works yet i was on youtube in 2010 2009 i don't remember anyway thank you all so much for joining and i will see you all next time.